Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360. I'm your moderator, Amanda Balby, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. New research evaluated the extent and clinical correlates of diffuse right ventricular myocardial fibrosis among patients with comorbid pulmonary arterial hypertension, or PAH, and heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, or HEFPEF. We are joined today by the lead author on the study, Dr. Benjamin Freed, who is an assistant professor of medicine in the Division of Cardiology at Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine in Chicago, Illinois. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Freed. Thank you for this opportunity to share our recently published work with your listeners. To start, can you tell us more about your study and its findings? I do think that in order to better understand our study, it's important to understand why we decided to do it in the first place. A heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, or HEFPEF, is a common type of heart failure, and it makes up almost 50% of all patients with heart failure. In fact, the prevalence of HEFPEF relative to heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, or HEFREF, is increasing at a rate of about 1% per year. Now, many of these patients develop right ventricular or RV dysfunction, which is a known pathophysiologic predictor of adverse outcomes in this patient population. And it's associated with a one-year mortality of greater than 25%. So HEFPEF is a syndrome that is in desperate need of research. Now, what do we know about it? Well, we know that many of these patients develop WHO group two pulmonary hypertension or PH due to elevated left ventricular filling pressures. And in fact, a population-based study of a little over 240 patients with HEFF, 83% of these patients actually had pH. So it's quite frequent in this patient population. And we also know from previous MRI studies that patients with HEFF develop diffuse fibrosis in the left ventricle. So this really leads us to the question, which is the basis of our study, which is what exactly then is the mechanism for this RV dysfunction? Is it the pulmonary vascular resistance, like in patients with pulmonary arterial hypertension, or PAH, where the increase in RV afterload or the pulmonary vascular resistance is likely to cause the RV dysfunction? Or could it be more intrinsic to the right ventricle, such as the buildup of diffuse fibrosis, like we've seen in other studies uh, that looked at this in the left ventricle. So to answer this question, we prospectively enrolled 14 patients with invasive hemodynamic proven HFF and PH, 13 patients with PAH, and eight controls to undergo cardiac MRI. And we performed a technique called T1 mapping uh, using a high-resolution sequence to quantify the extracellular volume, or ECV, and this is a surrogate of diffuse fibrosis on MRI, and we calculated this in both the left and the right ventricle. And so here's what we discovered. Number one, RV ECV, or diffuse fibrosis, was similar between patients with PHFF and patients with PAH. Number two, in that PHFF group, RVECV correlated strongly with worse RV structure and function, which, by the way, was measured by RV strain in this case. But it was not correlated 
with total pulmonary resistance. However, in the PAH group, RVECV correlated strongly with total pulmonary resistance, but not RV structure and function. So what we concluded was that diffuse fibrosis is present in the right ventricle in patients with PHFF, and it is associated with adverse RV structural and functional remodeling, but not the degree of pulmonary vasculopathy. So what this suggests is that the RV dysfunction that we see in this PHFF population is related more to intrinsic myocardial disease rather than changes in the pulmonary vasculature. Mm-hmm. And did any of these findings surprise you? We were absolutely surprised by the degree of RV fibrosis present in patients with PHFF. You know, we, we thought it was likely greater than controls, but we weren't sure it would be to the same degree as PAH patients. And this is particularly true and surprising because our PHFF group wasn't significantly sick. You know, their average uh, NYHA or New York Heart Association class of symptoms was two, which is not all that bad. They had a mean PA pressure of 34 millimeters of mercury, a wedge pressure of 18, but they had a normal cardiac output, normal LV function, and only mild RV dysfunction. So we were surprised that this group had just as much RV fibrosis as our pulmonary arterial hypertension group. And a specific finding you discussed in your paper is that diffuse right ventricular fibrosis is present among patients with comorbid PAH and HFPF, and it is associated with adverse right ventricular structural and functional remodeling. What do these findings taken together mean for clinical practice? It's a good question. I, I think it's always important to understand the pathophysiologic mechanisms affecting our patients. And this is particularly true in HFPEF, where we have tried to treat this syndrome with medications used in HFREF, but have had little success. And these types of heart failure are actually very different from each other from a pathophysiologic perspective. And we need to do a better job figuring out what is actually driving HFPEF so we can find a treatment that actually works. Now, one important takeaway from this study for clinical practice is that RV dysfunction is actually very common in the HFPEF patient population. And if you look at some of the previous major studies involving HFPEF, the prevalence was somewhere between 30 to 40%. So given that RV dysfunction is a stronger predictor of poor outcomes compared to the standard diastolic parameters, which we commonly associate with HFPEF, we need to be aware of this pathophysiologic consequence. And I would also imagine that many physicians in practice presume that RV dysfunction is present in many patients with HFPEF as a direct result of pulmonary vascular resistance, just like in PAH, rather than something else. But this study suggests that this isn't necessarily true. It might help explain why current therapies for PAH, like sildenafil, are not helpful in this patient population. And what are your tips for our listeners today who want to better manage their patients with PAH and HFPEF? Well, my my first tip is to not get discouraged. This is a a very challenging disease with uh, usually very sick patients. And despite this study, we still know very little from a treatment standpoint. 
The second tip would be to not treat these patients with PAH medications, unless potentially they might have combined pre and post capillary pulmonary hypertension, there might be a role uh, for PAH medications in this population. But we simply don't have the data to support the use of PAH medications in this patient population. In fact, the RELAX study by Maggie Redfield and colleagues from Mayo showed that in about 215 patients with stable HFPEF, 24 weeks of sildenafil therapy did not improve peak oxygen consumption. And there is uh, additional data suggesting that while sildenafil improved endothelial dysfunction in this patient population, it actually decreased LV contractility. And then, of course, there's also the theoretical concern with pulmonary vasodilators like sildenafil and HFPEF that they can increase LA pressure with reduction in PA resistance. There are some ongoing clinical trials looking at different kinds of PAH medications in HFPEF, such as macitentin, but there are no clear results yet. My next tip is to be aware, everyone needs to be aware that PH and RV dysfunction is common in this patient population. Now, optimal images of the RV and the tricuspid regurgitant velocity on echo, which is used to record PA systolic pressure, is just as important, if not potentially more important, than LV diastolic parameters. Now, right heart catheterization is sometimes helpful in these patients, but it's not always necessary if there is additional echo evidence to suggest WHO group 2 pulmonary hypertension, such as grade 2 or higher diastolic dysfunction on the echo, an enlarged left atrium, these are things you're typically not going to see in your PAH patient population, uh, so you might not need the right heart catheterization. And I would also say that despite our study, the MRI for these patients is still not a part of the regular workup. Uh, I suspect it will be in the future, uh, but we're not quite there yet. And then finally, my last tip is the mainstay of treatment, it's still diuretics. You know, this might improve the pH by reducing LV filling pressures, but as our study shows, it might not actually improve the RV fibrosis. It's not clear at this time what might help, although there are some smaller studies suggesting that spironolactone, which was shown in the TOPCAT trial to reduce heart failure hospitalizations in this patient population, might also have antifibrotic properties. So we just need to stay tuned. Absolutely. So what is your next step in this research? So we didn't see a strong correlation in our study between RV-ECV, which again is our measure of RV fibrosis, and RV ejection fraction. This suggests that RV-ECV is a unique marker of RV remodeling, and it seems to proceed an actual decline in RV ejection fraction. But given this, RV-ECV might be an ideal measure for monitoring treatment success. So one major next step in our research is to evaluate RVECV before and after medical therapy in patients with HFPEF. Now, unlike replacement fibrosis seen in infarcts, for example, diffuse fibrosis, which is what ECV is calculating, is potentially reversible. And some of these therapies, like spironolactone perhaps, might help decrease the amount of fibrosis. So RVECV might actually be a direct target for therapy as well. And then we're also evaluating RVECV in other types of pH. 
our institution has a large population of patients with CTEF or chronic thromboembolic pulmonary hypertension who undergo pulmonary thrombo and arterectomy surgery. So currently we're using cardiac MRI to examine RVECV before and after surgery. Now we suspect that this intervention will improve RV perfusion and in turn decrease the amount of diffuse fibrosis. Great. We'll definitely be on the lookout for that too. Thank you so much for speaking with me today and sharing your insights on your research. Thank you uh, very much for the opportunity again to present our our research uh, to your listeners. Uh, It was really a pleasure.